This week's episode is on the arguments of Shapa and Zarevsky. Uh, a few points that I thought were important in Shapa's argument was that in the very first sentence, he identified the purpose of the article as a whole, which was to defend a rhetorical understanding of the practice of definition. Um, the first point is that definitions are in themselves arguments. Um, I guess an example of that would be if you were trying to defend the uh, the definition of a specific word or a specific phrase, um, you're arguing for that and you're making a case for it and proving in which, proving context in which that word would fit. So uh, the definition is definitely an argument on its own. Uh, leading into that is that definitions are only factual if they're unchallenged. So if uh, no one says that it's wrong, then I guess in a sense, the definition reigns true for that specific word, term, etc. Next point is that definitions are a way to define words, which can lead the direction of an argument. So, um, it def- it kind of boxes in uh, an argument in a sense to say that <clears throat> this word means. I guess uh, car is an automobile, right? But if someone says that's not what that means, then that shifts the direction in which you can argue for the definition of the word car, or I guess like the object or item of car. Um, The last point I thought thought was important to mention was kind of strange. He said that definitions are a way of social control. so to say that one word means one specific thing was a sense of control and I personally thought of that as like oh someone that loves to like find discrepancies within the world and always wants to find um, an issue with something now that may not be true but that's just how I interpreted that part of the argument and of the article itself uh, moving on to Zarevsky's argument um He said that presidential speeches are made and used for data um, and to look at speeches only from a perspective of message to audience, you're limiting or uh, downsizing the power or the influence of the message itself. So to me, that means that if you're only looking at it from a point of view um, that these are the words that someone has said, and then this is the audience. You're you're not looking at it from a point of um, how was the message presented, and who exactly is the audience, and in what way will that singular message change or alter the way that they believe um, something is or isn't true. Uh, The second point is that the influence of a speech does not just lie in the words, but the setting and the audience and the situation. So, like I said before, one singular speech is not necessarily enough to change the way someone thinks or believes or acts. Um, It has to be, in a sense, convincing, right? So it has to be, um, if you're not credible in your speech, if you're not credible, um, in what you're trying to argue, the audience is less likely to believe what you're telling them to believe. Um, in the situation, the context of, of what you're arguing for isn't very important. Um, so that's all that I've got this week.
Okay, so this week's episode is on the um, Harold and DeLuca Behold the Corps Violent Images in the Case of Emmett Till article. Um, I thought this one was very interesting, not because of like the whole race thing, but simply because like how um, honestly it felt like a, a fiction book. Um, the way that it like... I'm not sure if you can understand what I'm saying, but it's like the whole plot of it just until it got to um, the part of um, like this case truly being a case of uh, white and black and how like the images are, there's no way that those can just be left in 1955. Those the the graphicness of those images and how brutal it was there's no way you can skip over that and to just leave it where it was um but what was really interesting to me is that it's almost like the picture itself was worth a thousand words and that's how it is today in you know in current times where I think a lot of times on the news people show um like hurricanes the damage that they've caused to cities and states um or like the George Floyd case where they showed pictures I think news I'd say like social media in general. Social media truly chooses to put out pictures um, and like a short little description of it rather than just the words because you won't truly grasp and be able to visualize what the impact of that looks like until you see it for yourself um, in its plainest state, which is just by the picture. Um So I thought that was very interesting. And the fact that this happened in 1955 and was opened back up in, what, 2004, and nobody was charged for it, um, that's that's sad. And I think a little bit of that is different now. Um, We've definitely come a long way, but we're still not necessarily uh, where we need to be. And I think a lot of times... Uh, like say in the George Floyd case, case, the police officer that killed him got 22 years, but who's to say that without it being broadcast, without the pictures being shown, with all, all of those things being exposed to, this, to um, the masses, who knows, you know, if he would have even gotten charged with it. Um, so that's just what it made me think of in current times. Like, I think the only reason why people are are being held accountable is because now you know I think a lot more people would would judge the justice system if uh, I'm trying to make it make sense like if nothing was broadcast nobody would be charged for much really um so the fact they're bringing this case back I mean, yes, it's like an an older article, but the fact it was even brought back up um, is interesting to me. And no one was charged at all. Um, So, yeah, that's this week's podcast.